dangerously close. My guest today is Petros Krasofis. Petros is an independent human wildlife conflict specialist in California's Central Valley. His work largely consists of predator livestock interactions, habituated animals, and property damage caused by wildlife. He graduated with a BSc Honors Zoology from the University of Aberdeen and with an MS Biology from California State University, Fresno. He works with ranchers and livestock owners to promote coexistence by monitoring predator presence, introducing deterrence, and researching new deterrent potential. His work spans from the central Sierra Nevada across the valley floor itself. Petros is currently researching human-associated scents as a predator deterrent on five central valley ranches. What's up, Petros? Hey, how's it going? Is that is your name Greek? Yeah, I'm from the island of Cyprus. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Someday I would love to visit uh, the island of Cyprus. It sounds awesome. It's pretty uh, cool. I, you know, I'm biased, but you know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, man. Uh, once again, now that we're recording, I do want to say thanks again for coming on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. glad I was able to uh, catch you uh, in the Twitter DMs before the potential demise of that platform, man. Yeah, because uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but that's you know honestly that's that's all I know about what you do, man. It's like I follow you on Twitter, and I was just like, mm-hmm. this dude seems like he's doing really cool stuff. But uh, man, I just like right out the gate, man. Really, just kind of like a broad question It's just kind of like in your profession. Uh, what do you mean by like what do you like particularly like for you is human wildlife conflict like and what you deal with? It's a it's a really good question. It's also broad, but it's really good. Um, <laughs> I think it's just, it's pretty much anything that has to do with like in a way that wildlife and humans interact that leaves one of the parties, usually the humans, uh, in a negative, you know, uh, either a negative perspective or in a negative way. So, um, you know, like the most common stuff is obviously the the number one is uh, wildlife attacking humans. Yeah. Right. Um, and that leaves you either dead or injured. Uh, and then there's more indirect ones. And the one, you know, one of the major ones in North America is, of course, you know, livestock uh, loss. Uh, but, you know, nowadays we also see a lot of videos online with like bears going into trash and getting into people's houses and stuff like that. And that that in and of itself is a conflict. It's basically either loss of, loss or damage of humans or their property is the long and short of it basically of how it you know uh it translates to by wildlife either indirectly or directly okay so, cool yeah um yeah you know honestly i didn't even it didn't even cross my mind to think about the the very obvious which would conflict would be like yeah if i was uh, mountain biking and a mountain lion came mm-hmm. down and t- took my head off that would be a conflict for sure <laughs> yeah but yeah. uh i guess like short one but yeah yeah a very short conflict uh, I have, uh, I had a guest on here. He's a, he did a, uh, he's like, does a lot of solo, you know, stuff actually, actually kind of up where you're at a lot of the stuff in this year in Nevada mountains. I don't know if mm-hmm. you can go up there much, but, yeah. uh, he was saying he was in some ultralight tent and a mountain lion had, he, cause he did the wrong thing and he opened his food up in his tent mm-hmm. and the mountain lions. So, but, uh, I guess they're pretty well deterred by tents. I guess it's a lucky thing. He said it just kind of circled him for a while before it decided to go off and find something else to eat. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's fairly common in terms of, you know, uh, that kind of interaction that, that in and of itself isn't necessarily a negative interaction. Right. I mean, I'm sure it left them with a, you know, a new impression of mountain lions, but yeah, <laughs> it's just, there's a lot of stuff. And obviously the, the more alone you are and the more time you spend in the mountains, the more likely that you are to run into this sort of thing. Uh, and in other countries in the world where, you know, uh, there are people that walk for miles in the forests and stuff like that. It, it's a daily risk for some yeah. people, you know, yes. which is really, really interesting in and of itself. Once again, man, uh, another thing that, uh, that it didn't cross my mind because, you know, I was, I mostly was just thinking about, uh, the United States and I was thinking about like, mm -hmm. uh, specifically a lot of what, you know, the work that you do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking about, uh, ranchers thinking about wolves, other types of predators, but yeah, I, I guess I didn't even cross my mind that, yeah, that like, there are certain countries where like you are in danger of, you know, uh, a hippopotamus, a tiger, you know, yeah. even a crocodile. I mean, that I've seen some pretty horrific stuff. Have you, did you see that, uh, that one crocodile? It was in somewhere in India. They had to call the army in because it had eaten so many people. Oh, was, I don't know that one. I didn't it was, see that one. No, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, I know, and it sounds like I'm t talking about something out of like, the weekly world news but it's not it was it was like a crocodile like the length of a bus and they they brought in soldiers because it had been that uh that gnarly yeah and i mean you know it's it's um if you read a lot of the the accounts especially with like man-eating cats right so big cats um they're they're pretty smart creatures right so they're it's not like they're just gonna stick around and and wait it out like especially tigers have a reputation of being very smart and being able to outwit you and stuff like that. So sometimes you just call in a bunch of people to do, to do the work because you need that manpower to find that animal, you know, uh, which uh, is, which is really interesting in and of itself. Uh, shout out one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm, I wonder if you're, if you've seen it, man, have you seen a, the ghost in the darkness? Is that a Vietnam film? No, it's a, it's a true story about oh. when they were, it's, it's in India. Uh, it's Val Kilmer and uh uh michael douglas i think is the guy that he's it's a it's a true story about these uh man-eating lions and they were trying to build a railroad and the lions yes. just kept kept picking i know i know the story ropes. i know yeah. the story but i haven't seen the actual like film but i know the story yeah it's a i don't know if it was was it in india or was it in um uh yeah it was in it was because it was still Ethiopia? the uh, it was still the british empire i believe and that's why hmm. yeah. and they were trying to build this railroad for some kind of imperial reason and yeah. so honestly, to tell you the truth, man, there's so many aspects of this film I disagree with. For one thing, I'm not I'm rarely going to be on the side of the hunter, you know, the human hunter. And I'm rarely going to be on the side of some kind of imperial project. But the movie is just so good. Anybody out there, I stake my reputation on this. Ghost of the Darkness is, is a good movie. Well, so like, I mean, that's <laughs> part of the part of the reason why human wildlife is getting, you know, getting so much traction is because there's an inherent man versus the wild attitude to it right yeah um and unfortunately or fortunately with the internet the way it is it just kind of like all these stories like blow up and and they're they're interesting stories for sure right yeah um there's a lot of them as well with man-eating tigers and stuff like that if you if you dig around there's a lot of really really interesting stories about about it you know, back when I was a, an undergrad, I always kind of took them with a grain of salt. And I was like, mm, that's not, you know, it's not a real thing that happened. Uh, but, you know, it, it 
having to deal with a lot of wildlife now, um, I don't want to say my perception has changed, but I definitely think that there's a lot more smarter individual animals yeah. than we make them out to be, especially coyotes. Oh, yeah. I love coyotes, man. I got a little, uh, little family coyotes live right by me, uh, in this, I got this little Creek area over here and they've uh, decided this is one of their favorite spots to bed down. I don't even know what they're eating, man. Cause I live in, in a city, but it's just, there's, there's been so much yeah. development and they've just destroyed so much of the green space that, you know, they got to find a spot, but, Oh, I just want to back to the, just go back to ghost of the darkness and one. And I don't want to, sure. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to come across. Cause I know that's, you know, that is bad PR for, uh, for lions you know or or it's kind of like the way i feel about jaws first of all great movie jaws mm-hmm. is a great movie mm-hmm. but you know such bad pr for sharks and yeah a shark could eat you but that's not gonna you know that that movie did unnecessary damage to shark population i think so yeah for sure uh but with that here this just brings me to my to my real point and i brought all that up because i didn't think of any of that stuff what i was thinking about is you know, a lot of what I follow, and this is the this is the media that I consume. I see a lot of stories about uh, ranchers or uh, you know mercenary hunters that have been hired by ranchers killing wolves, other wild animals, uh, sometimes even grizzly bears. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, like, uh, what kind of impact are these people having on the ecosystems that they inhabit? Yeah, well, that's a, a huge question, right? So, like, it. <laughs> It kind of depends. Are, are we talking about when you say these people? Are you talking about the ranchers or the hunters themselves, or both? Or uh, I think what I mean is like maybe I mean it by pol- policy wise, like where okay, yeah, policy wise. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I okay. and also I some of the, some of the stuff is a, a little bit sensationalized, you know. To but you know, there's there are instances where they go up in a helicopter and you know kill wolves with high powered rifles. I. So I know I hit you with a really broad question. Uh, feel free to answer it any way you want to kind of go at it. Yeah, I mean, so it's a it's a tricky medium, right? There, you know, the in today's world, it's kind of like if you have certain ideas, left or right leaning, you also tend to align yourself with other ideas that are left or, or right leaning, and you might not necessarily agree with them a hundred percent. Yeah, right. Um, so. it's unfortunate that these animals, especially like the more charismatic predators have been associated with a lot of the environmental activists, the right uh, situation. And so in, in my opinion, there is a lot of pushback to the, to that, um, that idea because of who advocates for these animals. Right. Uh, So, you know, you see a lot more, at least I see a lot more, um, direct vitriol and a lot more direct like argument and you know just various different things online because just because you know i post a picture of a coyote online right uh and i like it it would be a huge lie to say that these the predators out there don't have an impact in the ranching you know industry in in and of itself uh the, the the impact is hugely varies from location to location operation to operation and so forth but um it's really interesting to me especially so where i am right now we don't have wolves we had one wolf that came down after like for a little while and got hit by a car and you know that was it so as far as we know there are no confirmed wolf packs here uh but 
since we got wolves in the northern part of the state, there's a lot more anti-wolf talk coming from people here, which for me, I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I understand where this is coming from, but you're just repeating things that you've been told to repeat. Yeah. Right. You don't have any experience with these animals at all whatsoever. You haven't had any experience with these animals for at least a hundred years. Yeah. Right. So it, it it comes off that in that perspective. And yeah, like there's there's definitely policies that uh, various, you know, um, ranching. I don't want to say institutions, but various ranching groups and stuff like that will advocate that are not directly to the uh, predators benefit. Right. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of pushback back and forth with obviously listing and delisting animals and, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, it, the, the impact varies for per location. Uh, I think like I found in my, in my experience, the overall more right-leaning a state is the, the bigger, the impact that, uh, exists both environmentally and, and in other, in other ways and other policies wise, uh, because especially during election time, it's very easy, like these, this environment, the environment and the predators and stuff are a very easy target for someone to pick and advocate against to try and get votes or advocate for and try and get votes. Yeah. Um, which is the unfortunate reality mm -hmm. on a, on a more like day-to-day -day ground basis. I think a lot of these people don't really have a huge impact, right. Uh, in terms of like, it's hard because my my experience, you know, in California obviously is a lot different than someone else's experience in Idaho or Montana or in other states where they're a lot less predator friendly. But, um, you know, you, you, you talk to people and, you know, a lot of people, at least that I talk to, like seeing coyotes, like hearing coyotes, uh, like, you know, like the idea of mountain lions and stuff like that. But they also have a hard line against when when they like that idea and and, you know that line stops when it starts interacting with their livestock, right? And sometimes not even interacting, like sometimes they catch a mountain lion on video near a pen and that line is drawn, right? Yeah. Um, and, <clears throat> and so, yeah, it's it's kind of tricky. It, it's it, it's uh, unfortunate that these animals are caught in this political landscape and this political whirlwind because they are, they're, even if you don't look at them from an animal perspective, you just look at them as a natural resource, right? They are a natural resource. Um, and some people want that natural resource to be managed more heavily than others or to have the ability to manage them more heavily than others, which is, it's fine. All things considered it's, you know, it's part of your voting right to choose what you want to vote for. But uh, I think a lot of it is, is greatly inflamed by this, by this, this, constant like polarization between at least in the u.s the two sides i i could not agree with you more and it's that it's so sad that the yeah the the political uh the politicization i can't i can't say the word right now anyway that it's getting trapped into this binary politics where exactly what you said where things are getting uh where unlike things will both be thrown into the same bucket and it goes to one side mm -hmm. so yep. you i mean it, and for uh, certainly I've actually known people that I consider to be conservative, right leaning people who care about animals and, mm -hmm. you know, they don't want uh, to have all of the, you know, all of the wildlife killed off or, you know, all the old growth forest mm -hmm. cut down, you know, or uh, yeah. 
even like, you know, somewhere like in Australia, you can have a very conservative right-leaning person who doesn't want to see the Great Barrier Reef dead. So, <laughs> but it, yeah, it's, as, as you say, it's, there's nothing you can do because it's, you know, these people are fighting for votes and this is what their, uh, this is what their donors want. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is, it, you know, and also interestingly enough, I actually met kind of a lot of few of like fairly Democrat leaning individuals here that are against predators, which is weirdly or against the environment overall, which is was kind of a weird experience. Usually it tends to be more of the conservative people that do have an eye for conservation for nature. But yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's an unfortunate circumstance because your candidate might not, you know, not fit all the boxes what you want your candidate to be when you're voting, but you're going to vote for them because you don't want the other side to win. Yeah. Right. And you just like, you just kind of take the good with the bad, which is not the way it should be. Right. Especially from someone who's born and raised in Europe. It, it I don't think it's the way it should be, honestly, but yeah. And, and to your point, actually, I, I, I've seen this myself over and over and over again. Uh, and there's reasons for it, but uh, you got like, you, you get this picture. Oh, uh, people that are left leaning are going to be more environmentally conscious. They're going to talk about climate change and, you know, uh, they're more likely to maybe be involved with the organization like PETA or be vegan. Uh, but the thing is a lot of, there is a lot of conservation that exists because of, you know, uh, not to be stereotypical, but it's true. A lot of right leaning people, are the ones that are more likely to be duck hunters or fishermen. Yeah. And if they want their wetlands or their, or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever type of ecosystem may be where their, where their recreation occurs. So they have a vested interest in, <laughs> and often, and oftentimes some of those outdoorsman type sports actually have been huge factors in preservation. So. Yeah. And it's really also really interesting that sometimes the, the um the outdoorsmen clash with the ranchers in in certain aspects which is is really interesting thing to watch uh because we again coming back to this whole idea of like polarization you tend to lump in the fact that like okay the ranchers want to go shoot the predators and so do all the hunters because they kill you know all the elk and the deer or at least that's what they say uh but you know you get some people especially um houndsmen right for mountain lions who who will go out with their dogs and will tree up a mountain lion and shoot it right they tend to advocate at least based on just what i read and stuff they advocate for a much better management of the animals than other hunters will so they'll yeah. clash with them in that regards um it, it's hard because it's hard to keep up with that kind of stuff because in california mountain lions are protected yeah right and they have been protected, so there's no there's no talk about about them being managed, and I don't think there ever will be. Uh, yeah. But Any, anyone that's out there doing it is poaching. Yeah, exactly. Well, you can do it. You can do it with a permit. So oh. if you get yeah, if you have three livestock depredations within an X amount of time, um, so it's, called, it's like I say three strikes and you're out, right? So three depredations. Um, then you can get a permit and you have 10 days to go out and shoot a mountain lion within a certain radius, right? Just to ensure that you're shooting the, the right mountain lion. Um, so you can do it with a permit and then sometimes USDA wildlife services will do it for you or you can get the permit yourself, but you can't keep the animal. You can't keep the trophy. You have to take the whole thing in. Um, 
yeah, if you do it in any other way, you are poaching in California at least. Yeah. Well, hey man, I guess like uh, swinging it uh, back away from the hunters and back to mm-hmm. uh, the conflict with like, you know, where we kind of started with ranchers uh, and also just what you do. I, I was going to uh, ask uh, like, what are some of the main things you do as a human wildlife conflict specialist? Like what is it? What is your, uh, what are your responsibilities? And what do you go out and get, get done? Get yelled at a lot. Um, get yelled at? <laughs> so who, is... man? Who yells at you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's mostly a, a human job right okay. like everyone has this idea that's really cool idea like the reality is that most of the times it's just you you're interacting with the human element of it uh, versus the wildlife element of it uh so just a typical day usually if someone contacts me and says like hey i need your advice you need your help and stuff like that if it's a if it's a, a livestock depredation and the weather is good or it's recent or whatever, then I go kind of have a look at the the dead animal. Um, sometimes it's easy to tell what killed it just by looking at it and looking at the surrounding area. Sometimes you have to like start cutting up and like going under the skin and pulling the skin apart. Like oh, so you do out. you do actual like forensics at work. Yes and no. So like it, yes, I do, but like my my reports can't be used in an official capacity. So okay. if if it's a used in an official capacity, it has to be the state or the federal department that does it. Uh, but I can I can nail down at least what what did kill the uh, the creatures, right? Goats, sheep, cows, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then that that helps us because that gives us an idea of what actually is out there that actually is killing livestock. And then uh, I talk to the rancher and I say, okay, here's here's your legal options. Here's what you can do. And then here's what I can do for you. And here's where you need to go to state or federal to get things done. Right. Uh, And and then we just kind of go from there. If they want to work with me, then uh, the idea is we put out cameras and we, we monitor the surrounding area, depending on, depending on whether or not the the depredation was early or recent, we kind of do like, I call it the immediate action plan. So I say, okay, Here's what you need to do right now to keep your animal safe, right? We implement that and then we kind of monitor and see, is this plan working? Yes. Uh, Then we just kind of devise something more long-term, right? Uh, If it's not working, if there's more kills, we change things around, right? And I have a a variety of tools and arsenal that I use to spook creatures around basically. Um, And eventually, hopefully we find something that works, right? And then... We keep that in our pocket and then we start venturing into other tools that may or may not work. And then can I, constantly can I can I, uh, can I back you up just one second, yeah. just for mm-hmm. uh the photography. Mm-hmm. Um and I've you know I've seen a lot of your like the photographs that you mm-hmm. capture. Are these like uh I mean, are you kind of like not to, I mean for lack of a better word, is this kind of like a trap? It's like a you're yeah, trying to yeah. tra- trap the animal into a photograph, correct? Yeah, so they're they're called it's trail cameras, but the the scientific uh, version of it, it or rather the version that's being used by scientists is, is called a camera trap camera trap and it, yeah and it's an infrared uh motion sense motion activated camera so you put it out in the woods and then it has a little infrared sensor and then every time an animal goes by it'll take pictures how do you how do you guess where a like like do you, uh, i mean or i mean i guess guess is a silly word i'm sure you have a, like a system and mm-hmm. tactics but how do you uh 
I don't know how to put this because guess was the word I was trying to use. You can use that word. It's fine. It doesn't how, how do you make an educated guess where's the best spot to set your camera trap? I mean, it comes from a lot of experience doing this, right? Um, but there's there's a few safe bets. So if the if there's water out, if there's a trough out, uh, or if there's a natural spring or some a lake or a pond or whatever, that's a really safe bet in California, right? Because yeah. all like all the animals are gonna visit that area. Uh, then I usually put some near the kill site. Uh, the carcasses have to be like I usually you know. Ranchers will do this by themselves, but I usually kind of say like, hey, the carcasses need to get rid of, like you need to be disposed. They can't stay there. Uh, so the carcasses will get removed, but I still leave it in the area because there's a lot of scent, there's blood and stuff, right? So an animal might visit it. Uh, and then you kind of go off there. There's game trails. Um, if you're looking for cats, you try and find vantage points, you know, some like <clears throat> as much as I hate using the the pride rock analogy from Lion King, it's actually like not a bad analogy, right? Cats like good high vantage points. So you try and find a nice vantage point and you put a, a camera there. Um, oh, that's crazy. So like to to find a mountain lion, it really is like find a find a pride rock looking spot and you, you might catch them. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, in more in more often than not cases, just a piece of flat granite, right? That's overlooks the area and you put it out there because then that especially if it's if it's um, heavily vegetated or covered enough, that'll be a good spot for a mountain lion or a bobcat to kind of look through. Uh, and then do they have do they have like particularly good vision? Is that I mean, is that why they're up there? Yeah, they have good vision. They have good hearing too, and and a good sense of smell. So it's just a combination of everything. Usually these these uh, out rocks are. Uh, sorry, my dog is being noisy. But anyway, um, these these out rocks usually have a gust of wind coming through, so they can pick up a lot of smells too. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, so <laughs> it's just kind of stuff like that, and then you kind of try and. and deduce a little bit like if okay if i was an animal and i was trying to get from point a to point b which way would i take right what would i change what would i not change and then it just kind of goes from there so, yeah, so you're like actually just trying to get in the mind of a of a mountain lion potentially yeah. I, I guess i didn't really, didn't fully ask so i mean like we've, we've discussed coyotes mm -hmm. uh, like mountain lions bobcats uh that's that's kind of like your primary predators do you have anything else you black any, bears bears um yeah, black bears, um, foxes, gray foxes, and red foxes are also, they're not very commonly, uh, you know, involved in, in anything else but chickens. But yeah. sometimes they might take lamb, uh, the lambs, you know, and stuff like that. So foxes occasionally. Uh, the, the Central Valley is is a home to the San Joaquin kit fox as well, which is an endangered subspecies of kit foxes. And they're like five pound little foxes. They don't actually kill anything most of the times, but because they're endangered and they're protected, there's a lot of a lot of regulation regarding what you can and can't do near them. Yeah. Both from a livestock perspective, but also from development and stuff like that. So I work with those as well. Sometimes, you know, someone wants to build something and there's a kid fox stand near them. And then, you know, we try and, and find mitigation and stuff like that. But that that's a different aspect of the job in terms of conflict. So uh, you're, just, you're just keeping an eye out for the foxes half the yeah 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 and uh, then you got weasels and you know all the little like different weasels pie martins fishers are also sometimes will get involved in, in that kind of conflict we uh yeah i mean like can a can a weasel do any real damage or i mean yeah they can yeah oh yeah definitely weasels are they'll kill animals like 
twice or three times their size. So like they'll happily like try and take it down like chickens or bunnies or like actual huge rabbits and stuff like that. They'll they'll do some damage. Well, that's crazy, sure. man. I yeah. don't think like, I don't think I've ever seen a weasel in the wild. Yeah, I mean, they're probably I've pretty seen, sneaky. <laughs> I've seen twi- I've seen one twice, but that's pretty much like all there is to it. They're they're pretty sneaky, and I've seen a pie martin once too. But they're yeah, right, if you I'm, don't. Yeah, you I'm don't gonna say to if, if if even you have only seen a weasel in the wild twice, that's that's like the sneakiest animal that's out there, man. I mean, you see <laughs> that, but I also know people that like have gone out hiking once in California and saw a mountain lion, and I've never seen a mountain lion before, right? Yeah. Um, I think it comes partially to do with the fact that like I'm, I'm a fairly big dude. I'm, I don't try and not make noise when I'm walking. Yeah. Right. So it all like it kind of does limit my wildlife encounters somewhat. All my encounters have always been accidental and yeah. never intentional. But it's just the way it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw like I, I ran a, ran into a bear once. I felt super lucky. But I guess that's like I'm maybe in California that's way more common. I don't know. Like I've ran into like a bear with a cub. That was my first bear encounter, which was really terrifying. Oh yeah, that's scary as hell. Um, <laughs> and I ran into like a couple of other ones in in the past, but like I don't think I've run in, I run into them that much. And one of my field sites is like, I don't want to use the word littered with bears, but there's like bear sign everywhere, and there's at least four or five bears that are constantly on my cameras, sometimes missing me or I miss them ten minutes apart. But I don't see them that often. Uh, and like I said, it's partially because I'm not, I'm not shy about making noise when I'm walking, and you know, uh, I was uh, sorry. I was just, I was just thinking, like every once in a while, like I just have a thought shooting in my head that's like from, that that has that's so off topic. But I was just thinking it's from uh, this documentary that I was watching. It was a place where tiger attacks were. Uh, common mm-hmm. and it was uh could could have been i'm pretty sure it was tiger and you were just saying that you make a lot of noise and you walk and that you know mountain lions are probably more likely to get out of your way but there was mm-hmm. this place where people were doing this thing where they uh had masks yeah they'd wear them back so they'd wear a backwards mask on their head yep. so that any uh tiger that came up on them wouldn't they would be under the impression that they weren't sneaking up yep that's so gnarly yeah. it's really <laughs> common uh and there's also like there's trial I don't know if it's been tried a lot in the U.S., but there's uh, places in Africa and in India where they paint um, eyes on the back of the cattle, so they paint oh, an eye on each part of the of the of the cattle's uh, butt, for lack of a better word, uh, and that just kind of like you know looks like if it's you know you're not being sneaky, you're being noticed, yeah. which helps. Yeah, Cats I have like a bandana. <laughs> I have a bandana that has little two eyes. I think it's. Like it's just a joke, not not a joke design, but it was just designed with that just idea in mind. And I think when I bought the bandana, I didn't think it was just before that, but I also just wear it that way, just on the off chance, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better safe than sorry, man. Yeah. Oh, this is kind of a silly question, maybe. Have you, but you have you ever been bit by anything? Like maybe like at work or? Not really. Uh. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, I got stung by jellyfish and stuff like that, but not like anything. Oh, okay. Nothing, anything nothing, no, big. no battle scar chunks got taken out. No, I was just curious no. like, when you, cause you're talking about working with these animals that definitely mm-hmm. will s- take a snap at you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think, I think it's like, it's like everything else. You, you see these videos on, you know, various platforms and stuff like that. And they're all terrifying, you know, 
uh, videos and examples of what these animals can do. But the idea is that, you know, for at least for me, that's a huge outlier, right? You see people interacting with bot lions on, on social media and they're like, oh, it stopped me or whatever. I I know for a fact more than once that I've been a minute apart from a mountain lion, right? Yeah. As you've seen it on camera. When I was in Greece and I was doing wolf surveys, there was a, a few times where I set up the camera, you know, I wave at it, I walk by, and then five minutes later, there's like three wolves, right? Oh, that's cool. Um, I've woken up to, yeah, I've woken up to my camp and there's like wolf prints and even once bear prints right on the ground. And I just, I think it's one of those things where like, I think people really should realize the fact that like they're out there, they're just really good at hiding and staying quiet. And humans, as much as I hate to say it, are also really shitty about noticing things. Oh yeah. We're the worst. Dude. We're like the, uh, like if it wasn't for technology, we would be like some of the dumbest ass animal animals. <laughs> Well, and you know, oh, sorry. Give me a second. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're we're very vision based. So if an animal stands still and it blends into the bush, you're not going to see it very well. Yeah. Right. Like all my encounters with with coyotes and bobcats um, and stuff like that have all been encounters that I've. I've, I've bumped the animal or they were like, okay, I, you know, I'm going to start walking and I'm like, oh, look, it's that animal. Right. Yeah. Um, and even with coyotes, like I've been, I've had a, more than my fair share of encounters where they've popped in like six, 10 feet away from me, like from the bushes, just to look at what I'm doing. And just, I've never felt unsafe. Oh yeah. I love coyotes, man. I'm, and I know that they like in a large group and if they're hungry, they could be dangerous, but that's like the only predator animal that I really feel like that I've been uh, real close to in the, like in their own environment. Mm -hmm. And I can, you know, I know they're there coyote. Like there's a place I used to mountain bike in Arizona where all the coyote, it's like a, it's a riverbed. That's like never, it doesn't have water in it almost ever. Like for most it's only during monsoon season. Right. And all the coyotes live in it. And I would just go ride my bike through it. And like, I guess they're kind of like, they see a lot of people. So they're not, they're not right. really afraid of people. And they just look like, like like little dogs, so I've never I've never been sketched out by coyotes yet. Yeah, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, I mean you know, it's it's tough. Like every now and then, you at least I get the realization, right? I, I roughhouse with my dogs and I put my hand in their mouth and I kiss them and stuff like that. And you sometimes you just kind of look at their teeth and go like, wow, you know, if you snap, you can do a lot of damage. Yeah, take right? your finger if right off. If you really want to, you can do a lot of damage to me. And here I am like pushing you around and shoving you on the ground and you're shoving me on the ground and we're like playing around. And, um, and obviously I don't do that to coyotes, but you know, it's just, <laughs> it, it's, it's tough because you, you can't perceive, at least for me, you can't perceive something as a threat until it becomes a threat. Right. Um, and yeah, especially with mountain lions, I, I, I've, I'm not really scared. Like if I ever do carry a gun with me, I carry it for feral pigs, nothing else. Oh I, yeah, uh, man, I always I always forget about them. Those are like pretty dangerous animals. They like yep. they'll charge. Yeah, they, we had a, uh, when I was in Tucson, we had a lot of javelinas, which is some kind mm -hmm. of like they're like a subspecies of those yeah. guys. They're di they're a different species, but yeah, they behave very similar. To oh that. yeah, they're yeah. different species. Yeah. Yeah, dude, you've been hearing about all the uh, the radioactive boars uh, that are yeah, coming out and, now? Um, in Chernobyl. There's a ton in Chernobyl, and there's a ton in uh, oh. Fukushima, and that's actually one of the biggest problems because like, they uh, the Japanese government wants people to start moving back into Fukushima, mm -hmm. but uh, 
so much of the farmland has just been utterly destroyed. So like the radioactivity like wasn't a problem to the like the boars have thrived. Yeah. And so they're out there like thriving and they're there's no human population to like that used to keep them in smaller numbers. And the yeah. craziest thing is I think uh uh wild boar meat is considered like uh I don't know if it's a delicacy, but it's considered like good food uh in that yeah. area and people can't eat it because it's like those boars are 300 times the radioactive safety level. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. I've had boar when I I went hunting for some in Austria. Uh, and that that kind of meat I would eat. I wouldn't eat the feral pigs here. I mean, actually, that's a lie because I, I have eaten some feral pig here. But like some of them, I'm like, mm, you are eating you're either eating trash or you're cannibalizing your own counterparts. And so yeah. I'm no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're so smart, man. It's like eating a dog, dude. Yeah. Uh, so. So like, here's like a hypothetical, man, like, uh. You've got so you you got this uh dead livestock. You mm-hmm. go, you've done your forensic research, you're like, I don't know if I'm allowed to use that word. You've done your research and you're like, all right, this is either a coyote or a wolf or a mountain lion, whatever it may be. Uh what are they like in and the rancher is gonna let you take care of it? What are you gonna do, man? Like what do you what is your uh approach to that? Just scare scare tactics, right? Um oh, so, so you don't like try to like trap these guys and like no. m- move them or anything no that's like that's the that's the state department if if that's a thing that they'll do uh sometimes relocating the animal actually hurts it more than letting it stay in that area or spooking it away um hang on a minute and stop my dog from being too noisy um yeah so um yeah that's the that's the state department's job um and for me, it's mostly just spooking them. And the idea is I don't want to scare them away from that area, right? I don't want you, like, I don't want to create this area where it's a no-go for them. I just want them to move as fast as they can in that area, get what they need to get, and then get out, right? Yeah. Um, and I usually do this by creating the presence. It depends on the animal, right? But you try and create the presence of a human in the area, uh, or something that's like puts them on edge long enough. So a big, the bigger part of livestock depredation is that it's a, an animal that's comfortable enough around these livestock and they spend a lot of time with them and they eventually go, okay, I'm going to try and kill this animal. Right. Yeah. Um, either because the, the livestock have run and that triggers the prey response in the, uh, the predator or you know they're just hungry or whatever it is or they're you know whatever makes them uh, attack but the idea is that if you keep them uneasy and you keep them okay i just need to get some water and keep moving to try to find deer uh, then that's 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 what a successful coexistence is at least to me is these guys the rancher doing his thing having his livestock and so forth and then spooking the animals enough to keep them in the in the habitat that they are in the areas that they are, but also like not have them just linger around. So like or, spooking them is that, is that like a an auditory thing? Are you trying to like like scare them off with sounds or? Yeah, yeah. There, there's a there, the approach is different per the animal. There is um sometimes so like I use some devices called fox lights, and you put them really kind of high up, and they imitate a human walking around with a flashlight, right? 
Okay. So an animal will see that from far away and go, okay, there's humans there walking around with their lights on, right? And like, I'm not going to go to that location. Uh, I do I do put podcasts out. Like I have these um, uh, weatherproof radios. I don't have a lot of them anymore, but I have a, a like some weatherproof radios and I just put them up high up and I put voices on them. So like usually it's podcasts because they, uh, you know, there's a lot of people talking and there's not just music. Uh, and yeah. the animals hear it and they go, oh, okay, especially mount lions don't like human voices. So they won't go in that area very often or they'll leave uh, immediately. Uh, I've got other you probably, things. You probably can't use this one we're doing because like the mountain lions will hear us and they'll be like, they'll, they'll realize we're too cool. Mm. And they're like, no, these guys are cool, man. This is safe. Oh, I was, I was actually gotta... just gonna ask you, like, as soon as this is done, if I can use it, because yeah. Oh yeah, no, totally. I was just, I was just joking around, man. I was just, no, definitely. I was just trying to think, like, you know, you might want to just find a podcast with an asshole on it, so that, <laughs> so that the animals are more freaked out. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you laugh, but uh, either way, I'm not gonna. Uh, whatever. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, use... I'm not naming any names, dude. Yes, I used <laughs> to use like some podcasts that because the people in the podcast like to talk a lot. Uh, but I just, I changed now and after I talk to people that I know that have podcasts, I'm like, Hey, can I use your podcast for this? Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, and... that's an, that's an honor, man. I would be honored to be used in a non-lethal, like, you know, predator, uh, you just know, your voice just, echoing in the woods. At and like, yeah, but I'm, but I, yeah, like <laughs> to just be a part of keeping these, uh, beautiful creatures alive, man. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the thing. And it does work, you know, and it works a lot with mountain lions. Coyotes is where the the real. I don't want to use the problem. I guess I would use challenge. It's where the real challenge lies. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that I have other devices called critter getters that they're motion activated, and as soon as you go by, they just make a shit ton of noise and flash a bunch of lights and stuff. And oh, crazy! That, that spooks usually does a really good job at spooking bears. Um, and then you know, obviously, there's livestock guardian dogs, and you know, if the the rancher wants to go down that route, then we talk about you know, me paying for some of that money or some of the food or some of whatever, uh, to work on that. Um, what kind of dogs, what kind of dogs, uh, do that work? Pyrenees, uh, are a good example. And then you have Anatolian shepherds. Um, it kind of depends on the breed that you want. Um, usually the good, a good idea is that you want to have some barkers Yeah, and you want to have some, some, some like guard protectors. And then you also want to have some aggressors. So you want to kind of a ideal, you want a mixed bag, but Pyrenees dogs, like the great Pyrenees usually do a good job by themselves. Oh, so you, you throw um, a whole pack of dogs out there. Yeah. I mean, depending on the scale of the operation, you could have like a bunch of dogs running around all the time. I mean, that, um, that definitely sounds like, I mean, you can't beat that man, a pack of dogs. Like what's, what could, what so, could be better? <laughs> exactly. So like, it's, it's one of those things where in my field, at least you, you, you constantly see people coming up with like these amazing technological leaps and bounds to, you know, conflict and stuff. And to go back to like, I guess not Fukushima, but to go back to Japan, there was a, a recent example where they were trying to spook bears off a, a I don't remember the region of Japan. Uh, and they use this giant robot wolf. It was just a, a wolf. A oh, like a Boston wolf. Dynamics type thing? Yeah, I don't know if it was mobile or not, but yeah, it's it's a really weird, like if you look at it, you know, if you Google search the images, it's like looks on something like out of a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and it it does work and it, it works, but I always find that with technology, there is a, a temporary <clears throat> aspect to it, right? Uh the animals are eventually gonna get used to it, but you throw in a pack of dogs that are our animals and will behave like animals and sometimes will behave unpredictably or behave predictably. 
I think for me, that's one of the best deterrents, right? Um, Man, I was, uh, I want to go back to the the robot wolf for one second. Yeah, because that was sure. something I really wanted to ask you about, not specifically that tech, but uh, just in general. Like, I mean, I don't know if you're like, keeping your eyes on like what might be coming down in the future, but are there like, do you think there's any like techniques or technologies uh, that are still in development? that'll be things that maybe you might end up employing like in five yeah. years or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So like, um, you know, shout out. It, there's a, a place in Idaho, uh, Lava Lake. Uh, uh, Lava Lake, I'm pretty sure it's Lava Lake Sheep uh, Company or Sheep Branch. Uh, and they're specialists there. He does a lot of really cool, cool stuff. And, you know, they have, uh, I look, you know, we talk with each other and stuff. They have a caller that has um what's the word flashing lights on it so like or when the dog starts barking there'll be flashing lights uh when the dogs when that way so it adds reinforcement the dog barks and then the animal thinks oh there's a human kicking around uh there's some tags that they put on the animal's ears on the livestock ears that will start flashing when they start moving again because you know sheep are going to start moving if they see a wolf and so that gives off that impression. Um, I don't, in terms of like more high tech stuff, I know that there's some some development with drones uh, and stuff like that. And there's there's some ideas floating around with, you know, paintball armed drones and stuff like that. Oh, uh, fuck that. You know, I feel uh, like, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I just feel like everybody, <laughs> I feel like everybody always, like the answer to everything now is drone. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I mean, apart yeah. from the the various regulations that come from flying a drone and stuff like that, um, you want the goal is to try and get something that can be applicable throughout a variety of landscapes, right? Yeah, and that it's low budget, and that it works, right? So, if for me, if I come up and tell a rancher, okay, cool, you want to coexist with coyotes, right? You need a twenty thousand dollar drone yeah right um they'll just say screw it um just but i mean i know price of ammo is higher now than before but it's still cheaper to go out and shoot five coyotes than it is to buy you know, that drone right i i i regret my knee-jerk reaction so when when you said it's just something about saying a drone flying around shooting paintballs at animals it just pissed me off like does that make no, sense i mean it's not it's nothing to regret about it i think it's like um I think it's a, an idea and I think it might have certain applications to it. Yeah, for I sure. I just think I just think it's one of those things where like for me trying to go over the high end aspect of it is is instantly like eliminating a huge part of the population that has human wildlife conflict stuff, right? Because yeah. even if you even if you are for whatever reason a wealthy rancher in North America that can afford to buy a drone, what about the guys in like, you know, the Himalayas that lose animals to snow leopards? They're not going to have a drone. Yeah. Right? And even if they do have a drone, the weather conditions in there probably won't be conducive to flying a drone half the half the year and stuff like that. So I like I like low tech and more resilient solutions because I think it it has a much more lasting effect. And I, like um, you, I mean, there's there's no way you can beat it. Like if, if you if you can develop a scent and you're like, all right, I'm going to put this scent on this particular uh whatever the strategic location it's going to keep mm -hmm. uh these animals from taking like this corridor into this area whatever you know whatever however mm -hmm. you may need to use it that's yeah like, it's, it's as low tech as you can possibly get 
it, you know, it probably can't cost more than, you know, a few bucks per tube. And yeah. instead of having a $20,000 drone flying around shooting paintballs <laughs> at wolves. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what, the, that's what the idea is. So like, that's where my research is. So it, it all like, this all started where there's a rancher in Northern California that uses human sense uh, to deter like wildlife from his livestock. And he's been doing it for a long time and he's only had like one half killed in like seven years or something like that. So oh, it's wow, an dude. incredibly low number. Um, and so I'm taking, I'm taking what he's doing and I'm kind of adding things to it and actually taking measurements and how effective it is. And um, yeah, it's like, I literally use, dollar store products right yeah. or like the really really cheap stuff because it, for, particularly the smellier the detergent the better yeah right and so yeah i just go out there and i hang them up once a week or once every two weeks and like let them do their thing and they dissipate into the atmosphere and that's as low budget as you can get honestly and yeah it's amazing uh how how repellent uh certain animals find humans to be like our scent <laughs> yeah I wonder, I, I found, uh, oh sorry go ahead oh i just I, I found really interesting it was like smoking so like like cigarette ashes and uh, clothes soaked in smoke and stuff like that also like have a huge effect in it and that was really something that was really funny because i wanted to research it but i'm an ex-smoker so i was like i don't want to start smoking again oh yeah i don't want to interact with cigarettes a whole lot but I had to find a way to like basically hotbox just like rags and stuff into cigarette smoke and stuff. It was just really interesting. Man, I'm in I'm in the same boat, dude. I'm an ex-smoker myself. Yeah. And the last thing I want to do is like do experiments with cigarettes. <laughs> like, like I'm you know, yep. now that I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a free man, I'm finally free. You know, yep. I'm not yep. going down that road again. <laughs> oh, I gotta do it for the sake of wildlife. But right? yeah, man, you <laughs> you're doing it for a noble cause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so man, uh, we were talking about earlier, we were talking about, um, the camera traps, which, mm -hmm. you know, I, I know it's like technical for your job and stuff, but do you do any kind of like wildlife photography just for, uh, you know, the sake of doing it just like artist, artistic or for, or like, uh, you know how, like some people like to hunt with a camera. Right. I wish I had the time. Oh Yeah. Um, the only thing that I do do like in terms of that is sometimes when I, I do put cameras out, I like to get creative with my, my location and stuff. So like I have a, a really nice picture of a coyote that I took that I found, I just found a cow skull in the middle of like the plains and I put my camera down in that particular angle. And I was like, I, I want to see if I can get an animal coming over and looking at the skull from this location with this backdrop and stuff like that. So that's the extent of my creativity in terms of how it can go. Um, it's kind of, kind I wish of I had creating more time. a creating a tableau with yeah. your work camera. Yeah, I saw that photo. That's a cool photo, right? I, I gave it a like on Instagram. <laughs> uh, if you guys, if you're listening out there, go check it out, man. Go give that photo a like. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, I really, I just, yeah, I wish I had more time. Um, sometimes, like, I do get, like, I do carry a camera with me if I know, like, especially with elk and uh, pronghorn if i'm around the area and I, it's a fairly safe bet that i'll see them i do carry a camera with me to try and get some good pictures uh but i just don't have the money and the time to invest in really good gear and stuff like that but it is something that i do want to do because you can make your own homebrewed 
camera traps using you know dslr cameras yeah. uh, like if you go and see any of those cameras they're amazing shots right that people get and they you know it's as much work to get that kind of shot as it is to like actually just take the picture yourself um so i do want to eventually buy one of those but the idea of putting two thousand three thousand dollars worth of equipment in the woods and leaving it unintended for a particular amount of time is just not very appealing to me right now man that, that goes so far against my argument too dude because the the weapons are so much cheaper you know like yeah i was because i was yeah. like i was actually going to ask you this and i don't want to put you on the spot or sound like i'm pushing my agenda but people who listen to this podcast they already know how i feel about trophy hunting and they know that i'm right i don't approve of it but uh if you know if there is someone listening who's like considering you know just picking up a gun and going out and killing a wild animal for a trophy is there anything that you might say uh to them about like to make them maybe reconsider and give the camera a shot even though it, it does sound like an expensive uh, trade-up because the gun's cheaper <laughs> so it kind of depends right i'm conflicted in terms of the term trophy hunting yeah um in and of itself so like i hunted in the past i haven't done it in the u.s but i i did it in europe uh and when i did it well as i i was going after red deer and i wanted a big ass red deer right i wanted a huge red deer like a big old bull with like giant antlers and stuff like that and to me that kind of like mindset of i'm going to spend all my time and effort trying to get that animal is okay right that, that's what you have in your head you should you should do that right in the end of the day if you don't pull the trigger that's fine yeah. now when we're talking it in terms of the traditional sense of like trophy hunting, which you're like, I just want to have something mounted on the wall. You just want right? to cut off its head and mount it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then it's, it's a, it's kind of a mixed bag. It, it depends. I know there's countries in which that kind of trade helps them. It helps overall conservation. Right. Um, for yeah, me. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I know what you're saying. Like some of those uh, hunting preserves in certain countries, it mm -hmm. actually manages to keep, more space for the animals like like we said mm -hmm. earlier with a, a certain types of outdoorsmen in right. the united states right yeah exactly so for me the biggest thing is is that it depends on on the reasons why you want to do it uh and then where you're doing it and why you're doing it right yeah so if you if you just woke up woke up one day and you're like you're like I, you know what would look really good on the mantelpiece a wolf right um then yeah you get a camera like get a really good picture of a wolf it would be the same it would be right. the same, wouldn't it? Like... Um, and there, there is something to be said, like for from the perspective of having an animal, chasing that animal, and then eventually killing it. Right? Yeah. It, it feels really primitive, and it's a, a very <laughs> primitive circle of completion. Um, but I like I draw the line in terms of my hunting, at least, to animals whose meat I eat. Right. Yeah. Uh, and anything that eats meat as part of its primary basis of diet for me is a no-go right i go back and forth with bears but like with anything else i'm like no i don't like i have no inclination to eat mountain lion i have no inclination to eat wolf or coyote or anything like that um so it's just so it depends like it hugely depends on the reason if you're going to go out to kill coyotes because someone told you oh you know they eat all the deer fawns right and they yes. decimate the ecosystems and stuff do some more reading. Do they actually decimate the ecosystems? Do they actually eat as many deers as you think, deer fawn especially, as you think they do? Like, because, and there's also a huge amount of research that proves that, like, if you do kill 
these animals, you're leaving a vacuum that other yeah. animals are going to come in and take over, right? Um, so for me, when when ranchers tell me, okay, well, I I want to shoot this mountain lion, I want to shoot these coyotes and stuff like that, my biggest thing is, and and this is something that really has successfully worked a lot, is the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. Yeah. Right. So for example, if you know what's if you have a mountain lion in your area, it's killed one of your sheep. You figured out, okay, it gets spooked if it listens to podcasts and if I have flashing lights or whatever. And you keep that mountain lion at bay. Would you prefer then to go shoot that mountain lion and have another one come in, which you don't know if it's scared by the same things or not? Yeah. Or would you rather have a mountain lion living in the area? Because one will eventually live in the area because you are a mountain lion habitat. Yeah. Right. And also, you know, and so so that's the idea. The devil, you know, is is more of that. And I think for me as well, it, the the idea of of hunting trophies or whatever in terms of predators is is are you doing it in a fair way right now yeah. if you're going to jump on your little like uh i don't know the jets they're not jet skis they're snowmobiles if you're going to jump on your snowmobile with a gun and chase down a wolf and just like keep chasing it with your snowmobile and then eventually shoot it i i personally don't think that that's a fair chase at all right yeah now, if you're going to put if you're going to put hours and hours in the woods like tracking a wolf watching and whatever and then eventually you want to pull the trigger. I I still don't don't I don't want to do that. I don't have that that inclination, but I think that's definitely a more fair way to go about it if you want to do it. Um, but yeah, like just I don't know. Like in this day and age, is you know with especially with cameras and stuff, just buy a camera and go out and, and do it if you really want to like. You want to feel that connection to the animal, that stalking, that aspect, all that kind of stuff. Um, but you don't, you know, you don't have anything to bring home. You don't have anything to claim as your own. So I hate to like basically bust a little bit on your agenda here because I, I do have like a lot <laughs> I, of conflicting feelings I think, on this. I think you gave a fair answer though, man. I mean, yeah. I'm, I am, I, I'm the one, I, I have an agenda and I make it, you know, the thing is I don't try to hide it. I don't try right. to like yeah. hide that, uh, what, what my opinion on trophy hunting is. And like you right. said, there are different ways to, uh, uh, evaluate what trophy hunting, right. is, you know, by different standards. So, but I think, I mean, I think you had a fair answer. You, you know, you, there are, there's more than one side of this discussion for, and yeah. this is more than one culture. There's more than one country we could be talking about. And I mean, I think like it, it's one of those things as well where I kind of draw the line in terms of how you hunt, right? Yeah. I don't have any, I don't have a problem with someone who decides that they're going to go and hunt coyotes. I don't really have a problem with that necessarily if they, if all they want to do is just to go out and shoot that animal, right? Like I have issues again, like I said, if they're doing it for misinformed reasons or whatever, but if they're just like, no, I like hunting coyotes. Great. Cool. Are you, are you, you. are you familiar with the song, uh, True Men Don't Kill Coyotes by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yes, yeah, it's a really old. I, it's yeah, it's one of their it's one of their oldest songs. Yeah, man. It's, it's one of their really old songs. I, yeah. I had I had that on cassette tape when I was a yeah. little kid, man. And uh, it's all it's off this. It's back when they didn't have like really have any hits that much, and they had a they came out with an album called What Hits, like like they didn't yeah. have any. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, but anyway, I just want to. I I would be remiss if I didn't push my agenda just one little bit right here and uh, say that the red hot chili peppers have a song called true men don't kill coyotes and you know what if if me being disappointed in you is not enough do you really want 
Flea, Anthony Kiedis, uh, the guy that was in James, the guitar player. I'm losing, I, whatever, man. All those guys. <laughs> Dave Navarro. Uh, do you want those guys to be disappointed in you? No. So don't kill coyotes. Yeah. That's my I mean, agenda. <laughs> that's, I mean, so, that, and that's the thing, right? It's, it's from a hundred perspective. Like, I know people that will go out of their way to, make the life of those animals miserable right they'll shoot them in, in the in the ass right yeah they'll, they'll shoot a leg off or whatever and cripple that animal and just walk away and not finish the job and everything like that and obviously like for me that there's no there's no good way to put that there's no good spotlight there's only one that, way to put that right? and that's uh that is animal clini- abuse, right? clini- clinically uh psychopathic behavior yeah yeah absolutely like absolutely on the same page right if you are going to be a person who is going to be like, I'm going to go out, the coyotes need to be managed or whatever. And I'm going to go out shoot coyotes. If you just, if you try and do one shot, one kill, which is what you should be doing as a hunter to begin with. Right. Yeah. Then, then I have a little bit more, like not a little bit, I have a lot more respect for you than I, than I have with someone who is vindictive and who is like, and it's, it's not a, an outrageous comment to say that especially coyotes suffer a lot of, a lot of like hatred towards them for no particularly good reasons, right? Absolutely, um, man. And I'll, I'll say this, man. I'll get and I'll get right off my soapbox again. I've, I've already said that the Red Hot Chili Peppers have my back on this one. They wrote a whole song about it. But I will say, and I think it's totally fair in me saying this, dude. You know, if you go out and you kill a coyote or a wolf uh, purely to just be vindictive, and then on the way home you stop at Burger King and that's what you eat, you know, don't <laughs> like then. Uh, you don't get any respect from me. That's, that's my, my final word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's ultimately the thing is, you know, you're going to, at least for me is like, if I'm going to kill something, if I'm going to spend the time and energy or even just the, the mental process, because it, it is that for me and for a lot of other hunters, it's, it's a very emotional thing to take someone's life. Right. Yeah. Uh, or I guess I shouldn't say someone, so, some animal's life, just in case it's misrepresented. But like, yeah, to kill that animal is very emotionally taxing. And so like, if I'm going to go through that process, then I'm going to use the meat. I'm going to harvest as much as I can, right? Uh, and and put everything to good use because that's that's why I do it. And that's why a lot of people do it instead of just being like, I'm going to go out and go target practicing on coyotes. Yeah, man. And uh petros man i do want to like also apologize for dragging you into such a minefield of a conversation no no my field of a conversation is human wildlife (laughs) conflict in north america so you're good yeah yeah for sure man it's just you know i'm coming at it from a from a clear i'm totally biased you know and i know that you have a a complex job you got to and like you said you have to deal with people you got public relations you got to deal with man so i know that it's important for you to have to look at this from every angle and mm-hmm. I'm, I can sit over here on my, you know, ivory tower and have, I don't have to look at it from any angle other than what my, what I personally, my gut reaction to it is. So you just kind of nailed, nailed it on the head in terms of what one of the main problems with human wildlife conflict is, right? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people like trying to judge each other without having each other's experiences so like I've been to I've been to ranches where like there have been livestock depredations by a mountain lion or whatever, and you look at mountain lions, mount, any picture you look, they're really cool animals, right? There's there's no way to put it, they're really cool animals. Yeah, for uh, sure. And I, I don't 
I don't hide it. I don't make a point of hiding how the fact that I do like, especially predators. I think they're awesome. Uh, but you do go over there and you see these people like crying because they were either emotionally attached to that animal or that animal dying cost them like five grand or something like that. Right. It's not a small yeah. amount of change. Uh, and so you, in order to do this job, you do need to be, if nothing else, empathetic, right. And try and understand someone else's job and, um, the biggest problem is that, you know, you can't approach it from, from a, a very singular point of view because it, it doesn't work that way, right. You need to be able to try and, and reach a compromise. So this doesn't work just from my perspective. It's like, I tell the people that I work with as well, it's like, okay, yeah, you, you have your operation, you have, you run it the way you want to run it and everything's fine. You also have to try and come and meet me halfway right and tell me yes and when i tell you you can't go out and shoot my lion it's illegal i'm not trying to push, push some sort of weird agenda on you i'm just literally telling you the law yeah right so if yeah. you want to go out and shoot a mountain lion cool do it you're breaking the law don't tell me about it if you tell me about it i'm going to report you that's how that works right in and like and to buttress uh your statement there too you know uh, let's I I could take it like to the other other side of the United States. We could take it let's uh let's say Florida, where they have a completely mm-hmm. different style of uh human wildlife conflict. And of course, like right now, you know, you and I have been talking about mammals, and particularly like, you know, there's no other way to put it. Cool, man, you know, the kind of animals that people uh airbrush and put on T-shirts. You know, right, wolves exactly. yelling at the yeah, moon yeah, yeah. and cool mountain lions. But you know, like let's say like something not so cuddly, like a like an alligator. And I'm sure there's plenty of people in Florida that are like, these things are a nuisance. I hate this. You know, an alligator ate my neighbor's dog. And I fucking hate him. You know, right. but at the same time, there's lots of places where you can't go poaching alligators and you ought not to be doing it. So it's it, like, does that make sense? Like where I can say that it, it just because it's not, you know, it's not a furry, cool, majestic looking creature to me. I got, the, I still have the same opinion. Don't go yeah, killing alligators where you shouldn't be. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it's it's definitely like a thing, right? It's a, not just the charisma of the animal, but also like, yeah, you you need to be, you need to understand the confines of the law and, you know, to get back to the very first question about in terms of, you know, ranching outfits or hunters changing the management of these areas, then yeah, sometimes they make it easier for you to go and shoot an animal, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and all that kind of stuff, which is, with coyotes, it's a, it's a thing in California, at least. I mean, it's a world, it's nationwide. But in California, if you have an active hunting license and you have a, a legal way to kill a coyote, and so long as you do it, you know, within regular hunting period you or with regular hunting aspects, you can kill as many as you want. You don't need a tag. You don't need anything. Like, I could go out. I have a hunting license in California, actually. So, like, even, even if I didn't spend 25 bucks, I think it may be 50 now, but in any other case, get the permit, buy a gun, and go out and shoot as many coyotes as they want. Yeah. Right? That Perfectly is one of the problems, too. It's like, uh, like what you're saying, too, where like coyotes get this uh, this raw deal because there is, like you said, the there is more charismatic megafauna. Uh, yeah. You know, you go out there, you know, you go out and you kill a grizzly bear uh, just at, you know, I don't want to say in cold blood, but whatever, you know, you go out and kill a grizzly bear. bear people are going to take notice because it's such a you know and that's like or you know i don't want to go i don't want to go down this road for more than a second but like that uh that dentist that shot the you know the killed a lion and he he, uh kind of 
fucked up his career. Like people didn't want to go get their teeth pulled by him anymore because yeah. they thought he was, you know, a rotten guy. So yeah, but no, but, yeah, there's not a lot of people out here advocating for coyotes besides us and the red hot chili peppers. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people actually like that tr- are trying to end the wildlife, the killing climate. So it's like a, an event. It's a one or two day event or whatever. And you, you get points by how many coyotes you kill. Oh man. And they, yeah. Awesome. And, or wolves or bobcats. Sometimes there's a, a mixer of them. And there's like a lot of, a lot of organizations that are trying to end that kind of thing. Right. Um, it's like for a, uh, if you exclude the emotional aspect of that, right, there's there's a lot of ecology involved in the fact that like you just killed the miso or apex predator of that area for the next like 20 miles or whatever. You're creating a huge vacuum. You're inviting more animals to come in. It's yeah. a it's a huge it's a huge thing in and of itself in terms of ecological aspects wise. But um, yeah, you you know e- even even with this kind of management of like the coyote of being like full able to shoot the animal whenever you want. I tell my, the people that I work with, I don't want you shooting them. Here's why I don't want you shooting them. Let's try all these things first. And then if none of these things work, then we can talk about you shooting them. Right. And it is a very somber thing and it's a very like heartening thing, but there is a time and a space in human wildlife conflict that you have to be okay with the trigger being pulled right yeah um you have to be okay with the fact that like okay oh i've tried every trick in the book these animals are not responding they're going to keep on killing livestock it's the livestock it's either this operation dies out or that animal dies out and i've you know faced my fair share of criticism from from a lot of different sides some people saying like oh you're you're advocating for the agriculture aspect of it and some people are saying like, oh, yeah, you waited until 50 or their sheep died until, you know, you eventually told them they can go kill this animal or whatever. Um, it's kind of hard because you get shit on by everybody. Yeah. But, um, you can't make you, everybody happy. So you got to at no. least pick what you think is right. No, you know, exactly. <laughs> and honestly, like it's. um, It's rough because you have to like you have to keep that that option in the back pocket. But I just. Even even emotional, even if you take the emotional or the charismatic aspect of the animal aside, there is a lot there's a lot of science out there that tells you that yes, you know, try and spook it, but keep it in the area. It helps. Right? Yeah. Um and it's a very similar thing with like wolves. Wolves will keep, go out and kill coyotes, right? They they yeah. kill coyotes on site most of the time. Um, coyotes are very good about adapting being around wolves they split up into smaller packs right they're they they move differently and stuff like that so if you are a livestock operator that has both wolves and coyotes in the area you don't want to get rid of the wolves because that will increase the coyote population you want to be able to spook the wolves and be able to spook the coyotes as well at the same time so the wolves keep the coyotes a check and so you don't have to worry about a lot of coyotes and and so forth and Coyote wolves, my understanding, I haven't interacted with them a lot in terms of deterring them, but wolves are a lot more predictable than what deters them versus coyotes. So Yeah. Yeah, man. It is it is a delicate balancing act, man. And I uh commend you for being out here doing it. But man, I gotta tell you one thing. We are dangerously close to the lightning round. Uh oh, yeah. I don't know if you've if you've listened to much of this podcast, but there's a lightning round at the end of every episode. It's kind of the game section where I just I'll it's different every time. All kinds of it 
it can come in many different mutations, but basically uh-huh. it's where I, I ask you questions, rapid fire. You don't think you just give an answer. This one, yeah. uh, this is, this is a brand new way that the podcast has been going lately. This is written by co-producer Colleen. I have not even seen this. It's okay. Basically it's a Mad Lib. Uh, I don't know when the last time you did a Mad Lib was man, but well, you said you had a toddler, so maybe you've done one recently. Anyway, yeah. Uh, on. <laughs> anyway, I'm just gonna say uh like noun, attribute, whatever you say, it, and then we're both gonna find out whatever the story we create is. You ready oh, to play? Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Shoot it. All right, man. <laughs> this mad lib is called Coyotes 101. <clears throat> uh number 10. Plural animals. Let's go coyotes, yeah. Hell yeah. Snack food. Salt and vinegar chips. That sounds good right now. Uh number 12. <clears throat> Outdoor activity. Hiking. Plural noun. Chairs. Adjective. Ugly. <laughs> awesome. Is that an adjective? Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, plural noun. Um, beds. Verb. Uh, swimming. Year. 1845. 1845. I heard that was a, a doozy of a year. Uh, adjective. Was it actually? I have no idea. I have no idea what happened in 1845. <laughs> okay. okay, good. I just pulled it out of my ass. Um, adjective. Um, ferocious. That's a good adjective. Uh, another adjective. Calm. And calm verb. We're almost there. Verb. Um, stalking. All right. Adjective. Um, let's go with um, powerful. Verb. Um, dancing. And uh, a nature organization. Woof. You're going to give me in a lot of trouble on that one. <laughs> if, uh, if you want, man, I could fill this one in so you don't get in trouble and you can say it was, you can put it on me. I don't know. I just like, I don't know like any, uh... let's go with a nature organization. That's such a broad. <laughs> it's such a broad. <laughs> uh, you... Let's go with U.S. Fish and Wildlife. All right. They, they deserve it. Whatever, whatever this is going to say, you know, it's probably positive. <laughs> Co-producer Colleen always writes positive Mad Libs. I promise. Okay. It's this is this is never my uh, it's never mean spirited. I can at least give you that uh, bit of comfort. All right, very last thing, uh, like an exclamation, like or but it's a phrase, so like an exclamatory phrase. Oh dear! Oh dear! That's a good one, dude. All right, let's find out what we just made because I have no idea. This is my first time looking at it. All I've looked at was the blanks that I filled in. <clears throat> Coyotes 101, a Mad Libs instructional document by co-producer Colleen and co-written by Petros. Have you ever wondered about coyotes? Well, get ready to learn 10 facts about them. First and most important, coyotes love to eat coyotes and salt and vinegar chips. They often travel in groups of 12 for safety. That might be true. Hmm. Most people don't know this, but coyotes are really good at hiking. If you want to trap a coyote, lure it with chairs that is sure to make it ugly coyotes are most afraid of beds this is because they swim when they see them this fear dates back to the year 1845 (laughs) coyotes have ferocious fur and usually calm eyes they will stalk if approached too quickly but don't let that fool you they are actually quite powerful if you ever see a coyote in the wild definitely don't dance Instead, call the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Hotline and say, oh, dear, <laughs> they will come help. This should answer all your questions about coyotes. Hey, they worked out for the most part. That sounded pretty real. Uh, that sounded like a pamphlet you might pick up at like Joshua Tree 
State Park or like someplace. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good job, Colleen, right? Yeah. Calm eyes. They are very powerful. Packs mm-hmm. of 12. Does that sound legit? Nah, that's, I mean, in Eastern US, yeah, but in my neck of the woods, it's more like maybe four. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think my little pack over here by my house is about four. They're so yeah. cute, man. They're about they're about the size of my dog, and she wants to play with them, and I'm like, you cannot play with those, no, those no. dogs. No, no. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, first of all, I gotta say, uh, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Uh, just also like the work you do, all the shits, uh, everything you do is so cool, man. And mm-hmm. uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, but I appreciate but, you having me on. The most important question I gotta ask, I can't, I can't let you go without asking this. Uh, how can people like? Uh, check you out like find you like maybe uh see, see your photography anything like that or anything you want to just let people know about yeah so uh, my my organization is called predator detection and deterrence the website is uh predator uh my twitter handle is for now at least to twitter uh p chris office uh and my instagram is chris office petros uh and yeah i my organization is on facebook as well so you can go click a like on that one uh, and that's pretty much it. I don't really have anything else in terms of that. There might be, there are plans to get a, a little Patreon going to help me like get into that photography aspect a little more. But like, I I don't really like taking money from people. So for now, just come say hi and check the things that I say out. That's good enough for me. Yeah. And I take my word for it, guys. Uh, Petros is a cool follow. And if Twitter's still around, man, that's where our, that's where we first, you know, that's where I first started following him. Yeah, and got, and got interested in what he does. So let's hope things don't, you know, let's hope things go well over there. Yeah, I mean, dude. By the time this podcast comes out, it could honestly not even exist. It's that's how things are at the moment. Thank you so much, dude. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on.